Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a veteran journalist who was a member of the Newsday team that won a Pulitzer Prize for spot news reporting on the crash of TWA Flight 800 in 1997. He was Newsday's sports media and business columnist and has covered numerous Super Bowls, World Series, Stanley Cup Finals. He was a Rangers beat reporter and covered the NHL for the paper and Newsday.com since 2004 up until his recent retirement. It is a pleasure to back, welcome back one of AJ's co-workers at Newsday and the man we are all missing up at the bridge at MSG. And the somebody one- who's written as many Ranger books as you have. That's true. The one and only Steve Zappay to 540 AM Sports Talk. New York. Welcome, Zip. How you doing? Long time no see, guys. <laughs> yeah. How are you? We're doing good. So I can't I can't match Girardi, I'll just tell you that. <laughs> he must have been great. I'll have to listen to the podcast. Yeah, I was so he, disappointed we had the wrong Girardi on, though. Oh, AJ. <laughs> so, so. All right. So, you know, first off, I know we all miss you at MSG. So how is re- retirement, and do you miss us? Uh, well, you miss you miss the people more than the place, if you know what I mean. And I, I the travel is nothing to brag about. You know, the, it was kind of a grind, but uh, it was just time. You know, I kind of knew my wife also got a buyout from her a company she was working at uh, KPMG, and uh, we just decided, you know, it was, there's other things to do in life than uh, than work. You know? you know, and we've been busy. We've been keeping busy for yeah. sure. Yes, you have, because you're not really retired, as you just put out another book, which is, is it number four or number five for you? It's number four, but I also had done one on the Giants, so there's right. only three, uh, it was called, uh, then Bavaro said to Sim, right. it was about that era of the Giants, but anyway, and this is more than just about an era, this is obviously about, uh, you know, I don't want to call it a history book, because it's not just, you know, like some website that says, okay, here are the 100 best Rangers and here are the 20 best left wings and things like that. This is really about moments and seasons and games and it, that these players were involved in. But And it's not only players, it's coaches and <clears throat> excuse me, general managers and, and, and owners and things like that. Yeah, Mark, I sense so- an insult there. Well, I didn't Rangers know. by the numbers, you know. No, that was a oh, complete. Rangers by the numbers. That's right. But that was that was a complete history. That wasn't ranking. I think it, it might, Russ Cohn might be a little pissed off. He did ranking, <laughs> but, but not me. The eighty, right? So, so, oh, no. so he's insulted somebody else from the show. But that's okay. So wait, so the big the, the big fifty New York Rangers, it, as you mentioned, is a comprehensive look at fifty men and moments that made the Rangers the Rangers, recounting the living history of the team. The collection brilliantly brings to life. The team's remarkable story from the original six roots, stars like Messi, Henrik, to the team's unforgettable 94 Cup win. Howie and Carpenter and I found working together on the three Ranger books is just so much history and so many ways of getting great stories out there about the Blue Shirts. And the format that you have in this book is such a great vehicle to, to tell them. So tell us a little bit about the writing process for this book and how you chose your 50. Well, you know, I thought last year when I was, you know, freelancing some stuff for the Hockey News and working on a couple other projects, you know, up here in Westchester, I um, I thought that this was a time for a book that didn't really only look at, the, the you know, the, the history of the team and stop at 94 where a lot of people stop at. You know, you guys know that, you know, when they made the playoffs starting after the lockout, 
you know, and then make the playoffs and have some fairly good runs, although they got knocked out in the first round a couple times. Still, quite an accomplishment to make the playoffs, what is it, 11 out of 12 years. And now they're in a period of transition. So there's sort of a line drawn, I think, now, you know, until we see what this next, you know, merry band of Rangers will do. And it was time to look also at those 10 or 11, 12, 13 years and the players, again, and the moments that really had an impact on the team in addition to everything that led up to 94. So there's not many books that include, you know, a chapter on Marty San Louis and that whole Mother's Day thing in May 2014, you know, when his mom passes away and the Rangers come back and beat Pittsburgh and they force, you know, force the seventh game. Then they go on to beat Montreal and make their first final, <clears throat> Stanley Cup final since 79. And things like that. I look at the Yager years in one chapter, which actually was excerpted by the Hockey News. You know, and what a transition that was. Those three and a half years had an impact. He and his other buddies from the Czech Republic. You know, things like that. Matt Zuccarello was a beloved Ranger. You know, and the whole um, story of him being hospitalized in the playoff game after being hit in the head and, and how that sort of brought the team together as well. So those are moments that I think, you know, in addition to Eddie Jockerman's, uh great uh, great play and, you know, Mike Richter's great save in 94 on Pavel Bury on the final in Vancouver. So things like that jump out at you, and that's what I thought would be a good thread to put this book together. And it took a while, no doubt about it. As you pointed out, there's so much history out there, and so it's a... It's more of a personal book. Everybody's going to have their own, you know, big 50, I guess you could call it. You know, the, the forward of the book by Pete Stemkowski is great because it really sets the tone for a great story that Stemmer about his triple overtime right. uh, tells later in the book and, and what it meant to Rangers. Is there uh, a better guy, by the way? Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But the thing is, and he he's actually great moment 22 in the book it's funny because when you're reading the book the players that many of us of a certain age have such great memories of are some really good players but they're not hall of fame players but guys who you have moments in the book guys like stemmer starge mateau jeep james patrick why do you think those names elicit the second you see them because you have like gresh and you have them in the ranger you know logo as chapter heads it just instantly brings a smile to our faces even when you hear just the name stemmer I think we're the last generation that's going to read, so I had to, <laughs> or read books anyway, and magazines, since, you know, obviously the newspapers are in tough times, and just writing books, as you guys know, and congratulations on your most recent, you guys put together mm-hmm. the book on the father and son stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you, Steve. Which, good luck on that. Thanks. But, you know, I, I wanted to, no one has really compiled that kind of stuff, I thought, on players that and moments that were memorable or will be memorable to fans that, you know, are still Ranger fans. And I also thought it would be interesting for younger people who are just catching on to hockey or playing midgets or somewhere or in high school that don't really remember and probably don't care as much from 1940 to 1960. I mean, they, they weren't alive. Well, that was, that was one of the questions I was going to ask. As you took a look, picking moments that you actually saw, whether as a reporter or as a fan going through your lifetime, is one thing. How did you go about identifying 
and picking the ones that you hadn't seen that went back into the 40s? Well, I did talk to people. I talked to fans. I did talk to players. I talked to broadcasters. And again, it's a personal opinion. You know, I yeah. mean, I'm sure, in fact, a couple of people have already said to me, well, how come, how could you leave this guy out or not make a bigger deal of it? And I said, well, I wanted to pick what I thought, again, was more influential to someone who's been a fan but is not was not around to see the Stanley Cups back then. And I do have a piece on the 1950 <clears throat> Stanley Cup final. Excuse me, the Stanley Cup final, which I think was a was a terrific series. Um, the Rangers never played a home game in that series because of the circus and you know at the Garden, and they lost. Chuck Rayner missed the shot in overtime and bounced off his pad and went in and, and he said after the afterwards he said in ninety four I think when I talked to him he said something like if I had only stopped that shot there never would have been a fifty four year drought. <laughs> Might have been a forty four year <laughs> drought but, <laughs> but who can tell? But but you know what I mean? I think the fifties are sort of a yeah. not a break error, but but another it's another thing like this. Who knows when the Rangers are gonna be competitive again and win and get in the playoffs 10 years in a row. The league has changed. Sports has changed. Sports business has changed. The way we deliver sports and communicate about sports has changed. As you guys know, especially you, AJ, imagine working at Newsday now. It's like a TV show. It's very different. Yeah, Yeah. it's very different. Yeah. You know, what I found fascinating about the book is really each one of the 50 moments or players' stories are worthy of full books. And somehow you managed to capture the essence of the moment or the player so well in such a succinct way. I have to imagine that is a huge challenge. For instance, to boil down the Ranger Islander rivalry in a chapter, that's got to be one of the biggest challenges ever. How did you, you know, attack that challenge? Uh, a lot of editing and some single malt scotch every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> Actually, uh, you know, you... you you put things aside when you hit a roadblock because you're not on a deadline like like AJ knows whether you're working on yeah. rewrite or you're a beat writer or you're an editor and you've got to rewrite stuff and or and you know and get things in. I could put things aside for a day or a week uh, and then come back to it and look at it in a fresh light and say to yourself, what? How do you how do you do this? Because I did want the chapters to not, I didn't want the book to be over 300 pages. That was the first thing. And some of them are a little bit longer, and there are little sidebars and stuff in there. But um, the Triumph Books people are great, too. They have suggestions, and uh, luckily I have one of the folks there who was a, you know, more of a football woman than a hockey woman, but, uh, but follows hockey in Chicago, big Blackhawks fan. And, and said, you know, maybe you should approach it this way in a particular chapter or something like that. She had some pretty good ideas. So Mark pointed this out to me, and I'm going to ask you about it. It's on the back cover of the book. It says, this is an unofficial publication. This book is in no way affiliated with, licensed by, or endorsed by the New York Rangers or the National Hockey League. Correct. Why is that there? What are they uh, that? That's what Triumph does. That's a, that's a publishing thing. Um, I didn't ask the Rangers to get pictures from their archives, um, you know, things like that. Uh, I believe they have to put it in. It's been on all the uh, all the books from Triumph, I know. And the other one I did for uh, Skyhorse in New York, I don't know if they had it or not, but I've been told that that's what they 
They do. It's not endorsed. You can't buy it at the Garden. The Rangers don't say anything about yeah. it. It's just one of those have Garden you, things, I have guess. Have you got any reaction from the Rangers administration about the book, though? The no, rates? not yet. Not yet. I mean, it's only been out since October 15th. I know they didn't invite me to be on the... <clears throat> one of the upcoming games at halftime. We haven't figured it out at halftime between periods. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so you know, I, we haven't figured it out yet. When uh, probably sometime before Christmas, I think. I have to give you credit because you could have went the easy way out and flip flop chapters six and seven. As coming in at number six was Roger Bear, and number seven, which would have been the easy you know, way to use number seven for Rod goes to Henrik Lundqvist. So you and I have been lucky enough to cover him, watch his work ethic, you know, watch this, the style he goes about his business. You know, he's Joe Namath and Derek Jeter wrapped into one. Even without a cup championship, when all is said and done at the end of Hank's career, what do you think his legacy in New York sports is going to be? Well, certainly if he doesn't win a cup, and again, that's going to be highly questionable, you've got to put Willis Reed in there, too. Right. Uh, among New Yorkers that, that don't quite ever get you know over the mountain. They're rolling the boulder up the hill like the ancient Greek uh, king, Sisyphus, right? The boulder keeps rolling back, and that's how I often look at Lundquist. You know, he pushed it as hard as he could up the, up the hill and um, never got there. But, you know, it is a tough choice between, because Gilbert, again, was such a – you know, icon for his time. He was good. The rest of the Rangers weren't until the until the gag line came together. And it, it, again, I just think Lundqvist it was a was a leader of the team. His work ethic, like you said, was the best I've ever seen of any athlete. And he just had this. You know, he he was a fit into New York with the good looks and and the foundations that he. Um, you know, the charity work that he did and things like that. He's just really a lot like Adam Graves in a way. Absolutely. He really is remarkable. And, you know, I think we take it for granted, you know, this level of excellence that we've seen out of him for all these years. Moment number four for me was very cool because it's when Eddie Jockman returns to the Garden. And I was at that game. And I've been a lot, to a lot of those games where opposing players come back. You know, when Seaver came back to the Mets. Oh, Piazza, right, right. Piazza comes back to the Mets. Clyde came back as a Cleveland Cavalier. But being a goalie, coming to bat, play so quickly after being claimed on waivers add so many levels to it. So for those in our audience that are too young to remember, what can you tell us about that November 2nd, 1975 game where the entire Madison Square Garden is actually rooting for the goaltender of the opposing team? Yeah, I mean, how often do you see a New York crowd of any sport, you know, cheer for a guy, cheer for the opposing Quarterback, let's say, or the opposing pitcher who's no hitting the, uh, you know, the Mets or the Yankees or something like that, or somebody that's putting up 60 against the Knicks, which happens pretty often nowadays. But, um, you know, he had bad knees. There was no doubt that his career was slowing down and, and coming to an end. And I know that he talked about retiring, uh, and the Rangers wanted John Davidson to come in. Uh, it's funny how circle circles around, right? Davidson's now the team president. <clears throat> and uh, so they waived him. And I know Detroit uh, spoke to him and said to him, listen, we, we think you still can, you know, can play. We're not sure how you're going to play. And he said, no, 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 I'm going to retire. But he was so bitter um, 
about being waived, and he said to me, I remember at one point that this is a while back, that he also wanted to, how can I describe it, say something or give something back to the fans, make one more appearance at the Garden. And boy, did he. You know, that night he made 42 saves, and, and they won 6-4, and, and players apologized for scoring on him. <laughs> but it was absolutely crazy. It was absolutely – well, you were there, you said, yeah, right? Yep, uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I was not there, I must admit. Yeah, unbelievable. I remember the banner going across by the scoreboard on the – the Seventh Avenue end, and just you know, from start to finish, we try. And it's different because in baseball, you know, Piazza gets up once, Clyde's not on the the you know the court every minute. You know, Wilma Flores, you know, takes his position but and gets yep. in a bat. It's not the same. Whereas a goalie, you're out there, you know, throughout the whole game. Um, so I, I love the book. I have to tell you, it was a great read. Um, the one thing I wanted to know when you did fifty, and you mentioned, you know, oh, how can you not? Someone comes up to you and says, how can you not have this guy? Who was your number 51 that you agonized over? You know, should I include this one or this one? And the guy who's on the cutting room floor someplace in your house? I had more than one. I mean, <laughs> there was probably, a, you know, I got it down from, you know, 75 to 70 to 65 to 60. You know, I mean, I can't, I can't actually pinpoint one because I was trying to break up again. I didn't want every coach or every general manager or every, you know, there's more players than anything in the book and moments and teams, but I I didn't rank it that way. You know what I mean? I didn't really, I didn't really, there was like tears after (laughs) T-I-E-R-S, after 50. Um, But there's, you know, there's, there's there's a ton of players. I mean, it's, uh, it's hard to pick out one. Where's the best place for people to get a hold of this great new book? Well, Amazon, of course, which is dominating the market in uh, books nowadays, and um, Barnes and Noble, of course, and TriumphBooks.com, which is the publisher in Chicago. You know, and uh, anybody in the New York area that uh, that really can't find it or wants to get it quickly, I can throw some copies in the back of my SUV and drive to your house. <laughs> <laughs> you got to laugh, guys, right? Right. Hey, hey, life been, is too been, short. Been there, done that. So, Steve, first yeah. and foremost, I want to thank you so much for, you know, when I first was at the Garden trying to get my feet in and where to go, you were a huge help. And then when I was thinking about writing my first book, you, you told me right off the bat, you don't do it for the money, you do it for the passion. And that really, you know, set my mind straight. So I really want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for coming on the show. You've come on a couple of times, and, and we always look forward to it. Colin's a great guy, but I have to tell you, I, I miss you a lot. I really do, and I uh, hope to see you at the Garden. When you're going there to do that interview, let me know. Because, uh, definitely, it would be great to see you there again. I certainly will. Thanks and so thanks, much. And thanks, AJ, for also pitching in on this. I appreciate it. You got it. Steve Zappay, author of The Big 50, New York Rangers. A really, really, really good, good book, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Rangers.